0: So I
1: felt like I was in the Titanic this week. Why? Oh, because my basement flooded, and I was literally scooping up the water with a broom in a bucket and throwing it. <laughs> and fiance like, was and handcuffed
0: don't... to a pole, and you had to cut it, it with an, ah, crazy. a ax. Crazy whole thing.
1: <laughs> I am sick of like this torrential downpour that we've been getting. It feels insane. It should have been snow. Let's just say That's that. Also very disappointing. It's
0: January. It should have been snow. But yeah, Maryland has flooded this week. A lot of the East Coast, like this area, has really yeah. flooded. It was a very bad storm. Uh, fortunately, the podcast room is connected to the UMBC circuit. What do you mean? So my electricity is on the same um, grid as UMBC no. so if my house goes out it's back on in 15 minutes oh my god isn't that great now you know where I live everybody <laughs> why am I not connected to Morgan's power you should be I should you should be. call them up have the lines redrawn <laughs> it's time god
1: that's crazy also it's so funny to me that like there are so many like colleges and universities in Baltimore that we both live near like major. literally like walking distance major universities a stone's throw <laughs> from major universities I university. can hear
0: the like you hear the marching crowds. band yeah, yeah i hear the marching band because uh-huh.
1: uh morgan has a famously incredible mm-hmm. marching band and so we like hear them practicing mm-hmm. which we could at our old place too at montebello but it's just like fun when uh-huh. like you're listening to like the homecoming game exactly <laughs> it's but it's just like over the trees yeah i actually- can actually Then my other apartment was right by Johns. Was right. That was in In Johns Johns Hopkins. Hopkins. I was in the campus. You were actually there. I had the security guards like (laughs) patrolling out front of my apartment because it's like all it's all right there. So yeah, I've wow, I've just been living on a campus my whole life.
0: Baltimore is chock full, really, chock full of colleges and and um, hospitals. That's what we've got. So come on
1: down to school. Um, also we had a listener who asked us for advice this week because she is coming to Baltimore. Um, Chelsea. So Chelsea's coming to Baltimore. I'm so excited for yes. you. I recommended she go to Hamden cause yeah. I think that is like a cute little a spot, one stop shop for yeah. Baltimore charm. What yeah. is your go-to?
0: Um, so mine would be, well, I love the inner Harbor. Yeah, obviously, but it's small and you can handle it in one day and you're going to get it all Googled. If you want some like old school Baltimore Main Street's Ellicott City. Ooh. Yeah. Because every town in Baltimore has this little main street uh-huh. with, like, shops. Mm-hmm. And I think Ellicott City is a good example of mm-hmm. what they are like.
1: Yeah. And I Hamden's so Main Street is similar to that. Yeah. Hamden's Main Street is great. Also, it's fun to go down to Fells Point, too, I would say. Oh, Because, God. like, if to water's drink, right there, there's yeah. cobblestone. Yeah. Um, the only thing is that it is easier to park, I think, in Ellicott City and Hamden than <laughs>
0: Point. And both of those places are notoriously hard for parking. Yes. <laughs> so good luck to you. <sighs> Search that ahead of time and please know how to parallel park. Yes. That's my advice. <laughs> or or expect to pay twenty-two dollars for a garage. Godspeed. Um. <laughs> but we're we're here we're, we're like not tour guides. No, we we're, should be. Yeah, we Honestly, should be. we should start. That's what we should start <laughs> yeah. a blog about where to go in Baltimore. Plus, <laughs> and everybody else.
1: Her on the light rail. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're
1: here to talk about history on the rocks with Katie and Allie. This is a podcast where we talk about famous women in history. We talk
0: about good women and bad women and fictional women and non fictional women from all times and places because women have nuance. But keep in mind, we are drinking the entire time. And we are not historians. In fact, right now, we're kind of like radio DJs. All request, baby. Yeah. All
1: requests. <laughs> request season. <laughs> I feel like it's Christmas. I love it. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we get all of our information from the internet, so it's just very important to note because I am doing like a punk person, mm. and I am woefully ignorant on the punk scene.
0: And I'm doing a scientist, so yeah. good
1: luck to me. Like, there were some people, be- they were like, and they then they were hanging out with this band, and I was like, who? Who? I don't who? know who they are. So. Who are you? So anyways, uh, but yeah, keep that in mind. And if there's anything that we need to fix in our story, just let
0: us know. And we'll just put – we'll retract. Yes. Oh. Well,
1: no, we won't do that. We're not going to go through the effort. No, I'm not going to take it we'll back we'll probably out. talk about it the week after. Yeah, I probably will.
0: <laughs> if we remember. If, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if we Guys. remember. Okay. <laughs>
1: We got a lot going on. We really
0: do. Uh, (laughs) But you're busy making a request at a local radio station right now. Yes,
1: or you're waiting for a prize Mm -hmm. from the local
0: radio station. So you're on hold. So you can't like put the phone down to look up what these women look like.
1: You need those Janet Jackson tickets,
0: honestly. Um, so
1: (laughs) because we don't want you to mess up your prize winning status, we're gonna describe what these women look like for you. So you can have a picture in your mind while we're talking about them. Perfect. We're going to get a little... Allie, who are you doing and what does she look like?
0: I am doing Vera Rubin and Vera had an oval face with a very defined jaw and big glasses. When she was in her younger years, they were like black, thick rimmed Mm -hmm. and then in her older years, they're the clear like see-through ones. Uh She has always sported very short hair or even a pixie cut. Mm -hmm. Um, It was dark brown when she was young and then went white with age. Many photos of her exist, especially as a college professor in her later years, but all the pictures of her as a younger woman woman, display Vera hard at work over some sort of astronomical machine or peering into a telescope. And that's what Vera looks like. Who are you doing and what does she look like?
1: I'm doing polystyrene. Polly is a petite woman coming in at just four or five. Wow. Very small. She is biracial. She has a round face with rounded features. She has doe-like eyes and plump lips that rest open. Like, you know how, like, some people, like, their mouth just rests open. Mm-hmm. That's how hers is. Um, uh, To reveal her metal braces that became an iconic part of her look. And she was asked many times yes those are her real teeth yes they are her real braces and she did not just get them for the band she just was getting braces (laughs) my theory is that like i like i know that like orthodontia is like not as common in great britain at least that's like Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's just like a stereotype or it's actually true um but like so i think like she had this these braces and people were like what the fuck are those (laughs) So anyways, and she also has dark curly hair that is often cropped short and her personal fashion sense is very iconic. She wears a lot of bright neon colors, shift dresses and thrifted items like goggles or an army helmet. And most importantly, Polly can usually be seen rocking out on stage with her band or by herself. And that's what she looked like.
0: She sounds so adorable. She's adorable. Is it a requirement to be petite if you are in a punk band? I think it helps because there's a lot of movement,
1: (laughs) you know, (laughs) Okay, Okay. Um, but yeah, she is a tiny little thing. And like, she also like always looked really cool and really different. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like she has an iconic fashion sense, but you also like can't really pin it down, you know, like sometimes she would be in like a red, like it almost looked like a marching band outfit with like a red hat and like sometimes she would like dye her eyebrows, you know, and like, yeah.
0: She had a lot going on. She Do it, girl. Cool. Yeah. Do it, Polly. <laughs> um, all right. So are you ready to find out what you're drinking? Yes. It looks so cute. This drink is called The Other Matter. <laughs> and it is vodka, orange, simple syrup, creme de coco, coffee, liqueur, espresso, and saline solution. <gasps> <Ooh. laughs> so a little bit of salt water in there. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Mm. it's delicious
1: mm-hmm. I feel like I can taste the saline solution I don't know what it does
0: to it but it said there had to be salt in here if I'm doing the chocolate and the orange and the coffee okay and I was like okay I guess the internet's right okay
1: now did they recommend saline solution or are you doing that because she's a scientist
0: no they they this drink has uh I was looking up drinks that would be partially black and partially not. So I didn't want to do something classic like an espresso martini right. or um a white russian. I wanted to like branch out. So I was looking for other cocktails that involved mm. um espresso. And they said when you mix citrus with like the chocolate and the espresso it's better to add some salt, saline solution. And I didn't know that. So yeah. here it is. Maybe it like mm. neutralizes some sort of curdling or something. Mm. Yeah, that is a classic issue we have. Yeah. <laughs> classic <laughs> issue okay so what do you know about vera rubin
1: nothing really i know she's a scientist um i'm guessing she has something to do like with astronomy Mm because i believe i know who requested this yes you do (gasps) Um,
0: (laughs) you mean our our show's official astronomer dr misty Misty ben of georgia Of science.
1: And, <laughs> of all the science. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's all I know is that she works in STEM.
0: Yeah, she does. <laughs> and uh, if you were to Google her, there's so many images and there are um, so many YouTube videos from all different science organizations and lists of great things. And then obviously Wikipedia. So I did a lot of different researching on different videos and articles and I had a lot of fun. All right. So, Vera Cooper was born on July 23rd, which we love a 23rd girl, Mm -hmm. 1928 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, So, an East Coast girl. Love it. She was the younger of two sisters. Her parents were Jewish immigrants from Eastern Europe. Her dad anglicized his name to go by Philip Cooper and was an electrical engineer for Bell Telephone. And her mom was Rose Applebaum, what a cute last name, from Moldova. And the two actually met while working at Bell. And Rose worked until she was married. So she stopped working at Bell after they got married. In 1938, the Coopers moved all the way from Philadelphia to Washington, D.C. So... Two hours away. (laughs) Look at that. So close. Yes. Where Vera was 10 years old. She loved watching the stars from her bedroom window. And even then, she was more interested in the questions than the answers. Mm. So her dad, who again was an engineer, (laughs) helped her build a crude telescope out of cardboard so she could use it to observe and track meteors. As a 10-year-old (laughs) child, I was Mm. like playing Barbies and listening to Spice Girls yeah like this is this is intense (laughs) Ah. she attended Coolidge Senior High and graduated in 1944 so her family immigrated here she's Jewish you know her parents are Jewish so they came like in the nick of time you know to be living Mm -hmm. in the United States if it's 1944 when she's graduating from high school just to jump ahead a little bit so we just get Vera's older sister out of the way her older sister Ruth became an attorney and worked in um, administrative law as a judge in the U.S. Department of Defense so both sisters very successful women in this country yeah very cool Vera pursued an undergraduate degree at Vassar College, which at that time was an all-girls school. There, she was inspired by Maria Mitchell, who was a professor there, but in the 1800s, before she was even born. Um, And Maria Mitchell had discovered a comet that is now called Miss Mitchell's Comet in her honor. So, you know, you've got Vera at this all girls college learning that there were women in the past that also discovered things in outer space, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of girls going to college for science were discouraged from doing that. Mm-hmm. And Vera was one of those girls. She wanted a career in science, but mm-hmm. her high school teacher said, as long as you stay away from science, you should be okay.
1: Wait, what? They,
0: what? they told her to stay away from science because women aren't supposed to do science. What years? <laughs> this was ni- the nineteen forties when she graduated from high school.
1: That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I know, like
0: two generations ago.
1: Like it's so frustrating. cuz like we already had like Wilhelmina Flan. Yeah, <laughs> had, like, a, like at Harvard, and, like, right? She was at like, Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> like it's frustrating. Like. I don't know why I'm, like, so mad about it now. We talk about this all the time. Every week. (laughs)
0: Literally every week. (laughs) Well, it's good that we're still angry. Somebody should be angry. Like, this should piss you off.
1: Because, like, sometimes I just get so frustrated because it's, like, the one thing that she wants to do. And they're, like, anything but that. Yeah.
0: They were, like, why don't you pursue life as, like, an artist? Yeah. She's, like, (laughs) no. I don't want to. Um and then if she wanted to be an artist, they would have been like, no, girls can't go to that prestigious yeah, art school. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? They would have done well, the same exact thing. Sorry, like, why don't you be a scientist?
1: Sorry, I want you to be like a kindergarten craft teacher. Right, that's that'd be great. Is that in your wheelhouse? <laughs> not that that's not like a super easy dumb thing to do. It's like right, but that's what they expected. Childhood to development, do. <laughs> you know, which is very important. But yeah, that's
0: what they wanted women for. Mm-hmm so she's like no 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 so she goes and joins Phi Beta Kappa which is the oldest academic honor society in the country and earned her bachelor's degree in astronomy in 1948 she was the only student to graduate that year in the astronomy department Mm. so like she's alone at Vassar doing astronomy (laughs) because no girls were doing science She attempted to enroll at a graduate program at Princeton where she really wanted to go. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like Einstein went to Princeton for some years and things sure. like that, but was barred, obviously, because she was a woman and Princeton would not accept a woman as an astronomy graduate student for another 27 years. Oh <laughs> she applied like 30 years before they were like letting women do astronomy there. That's so annoying. Harvard did offer her a spot. Harvard was like well you can go here but she turned it down because she got married to a man named robert joshua rubin and he was going to graduate school at cornell so she was like i'll just get into cornell and she did okay (laughs) so she goes to cornell to earn her master's degree in the early 1950s during her graduate studies she studied the motion of 109 galaxies and made one of the first observations of hubble flow which is how galaxies move apart from one another like how they move huh. and how like I didn't like,
1: realize it was called hubble flow uh me neither huh i guess that's what the hu- no but hubble is a person right
0: right and then there's like a telescope, the telescope. Yeah. so they're all like named i think maybe if she did the observations in a certain way they fall under Hubble-ness. misty correct me if i'm wrong yeah this is interesting to me but that's what it was called okay. and it's how it was how the galaxies were moving and she is um, um like a monster of galaxy discoveries in the field of astronomy <laughs> okay. like she paves the way not only for women but for astronomy in general right that's what we're leading towards anyway yeah. she was working under martha carpenter philip morrison hans beth i'm sure i'm saying all these names wrong richard fame Fain- and her conclusion for her master's uh was eventually disproven. But the idea that galaxies were moving held true and actually sparked further research in the field. Oh, cool. So this is her master's. Mm-hmm. Um, her master's research also proved early evidence of the supergalactic plane, which is part of a reference frame of galaxies, which includes the Milky Way. Okay. So like, you know how like on Earth we have flat things and. We exist on them. Like in outer space, there's lots of planes, like at all different angles. So there's this plane that a lot of galaxies are on. And the Milky Way is one of them. So there we go. Okay. Because like, when we, like so when we look at the solar system, yeah. we think, like our solar system, we think of all of the planets as flat going around the sun. We- and they're not. Like they're, they're not all lined up
1: oh that's just how
0: we show it like in textbooks the same thing is kind of like true with galaxies they're scattered but some of them are lined up
1: okay like so on a this plane would be like if you had like a bouncy ball and a thing of jello uh-huh. and like there were like legos or in the jello mm-hmm. they wouldn't be all just like in a ring in exactly a straight line yeah it. they'd be kind of be
0: like tilted.
1: dispersed in the jello yeah
0: exactly <laughs> that's right <laughs> You sound like an idiot. <laughs> no, you, you're, <laughs> you're making a visual comparison. I am. I'm I trying it.
1: to like, yeah, so so it's not like boop, boop, boop. Right.
0: It's it's just that's how we draw it in textbooks to make it make easier. sense. easier. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Otherwise, it's like, how would you know what order they're in if they're all a scant? Okay. Okay, but yeah, she proved that there is a plane that some galaxies exist on, including the Milky Way.
1: Okay. We're all in like a, like a big jumble, not a record.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. So (laughs) this information and the data she collected was very controversial at the time after she struggled to be allowed to present her work at the American Astronomical (laughs) Society. Astronomical, I bet, Society, despite being visibly pregnant. So she's fighting to be able to present this stuff. She is visibly pregnant. She's in the family. Yeah, she is in the family way. Um,. She was rejected and the paper was forgotten, Mm -hmm. even though she was right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They go back Mm -hmm. to it eventually and she's right.
1: Yeah. The jello theory stands. Right.
0: (laughs) And it stands. (laughs) Vera studied for her PhD at Georgetown University, the only university in D.C. that offered a graduate degree, doctoral degree in astronomy. She's 23 years old and she's pregnant when she starts her doctorate. I've never met a soul that has done that before (laughs) her dissertation was completed by 1954 and concluded that galaxies actually clumped together rather than being randomly dispersed through the universe. So they're all kind of like coming together, which was another controversial idea that was not pursued for another two decades. So she's discovering things that nobody's even touching with a 10 foot pole.
1: Okay. So Milky Way is our galaxy, Uh and there are other galaxies. Lots of them. Lots of them. And she's saying that, like— They clump. They clump. So, like, in other vast parts of the universe, there are other clumped galaxies. Yes, that are, like, like clumping together. Okay, so we're in, like, a certain system of Mm -hmm. clumped galaxies. Yes. Exactly correct. So, like, no other galaxy from a different system would come smashing into our galaxy. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) No, that would not be, I don't think that would happen. There's like meteors,
0: asteroids, they like fly in comets. So if we
1: were to discover everything in our system, Mm -hmm. like there's no, like that would, it's like contained. Yeah. Unless
0: we could like travel a bazillion light years. To yeah. get to another galaxy girl we're like just got past Pluto recently <laughs> like other galaxies are like way out of our league right now
1: also something I hate thinking about
0: and I think about it all the time yeah is that like
1: we know more about space than we do like the ocean yeah
0: <laughs> you take a cup of water that's how much we know about the ocean yeah. compared to outer space <laughs> Please, outer space is just like vastly more fun. Right,
1: I, it scares me. both of them. Scare the, me. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, like, yeah.
0: I'm scared of both outer space and the ocean, which is why yeah. I'm neither well, an oceanographer or an astronomer. Yeah. And
1: I think the space thing is, I guess, it's more interesting because it's uh, less of an imminent threat. Yeah. to me, I'm yeah. like the ocean's right there. It's, I could it's drown, it, I could any drown moment, it any moment,
0: any yeah. moment in my basement, even in my
1: basement. <laughs> <laughs> in my basement, I
0: could drown from the bay um, <laughs> flooding.
1: But maybe that's why I don't know, but. This is very interesting to me. I feel like I'm learning a lot tonight. I feel like I don't know.
0: Well, all of it might be wrong. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Everything I'm saying might be incorrect. So um, throughout her school schooling, she constantly fought against sexism, including not being able to meet with one of her advisors in his office because women weren't allowed in that part of the building. So she had to, like, meet with him in the lobby, which is crazy.
1: Now, if it were to, like, protect people from, like, You know, sexual assault. assault. I would love that. But like
0: this guy like really wanted to meet with her and like work out, you know, (gasps) astronomy, whatever astronomers do. Oh god. So now she's out of school and her career is about to begin. So the first thing she can do is get into academia. So of course she, academia, of course she does that. And she gets various positions throughout her career. She worked at Montgomery College, Georgetown University, Carnegie Institute. She taught mathematics and physics and astronomy and terrestrial magnetism. Um, along the way, she met a longtime collaborator of hers, Kent Ford, and because Vera had such young children, she would do a lot of the work from home and okay. the research, and Kent Ford was an instrument maker, so he would like make different things that she could use at her house oh, that's cool. to do this research. Okay. In 1963, she worked with the Burbage couple, their married couple, Margaret and Joffrey, where she made her first observation of the rotation of galaxies using uh, the McDaniel or McDonnell Observatory Telescope. So now she's watching galaxies spin. She, knows, she first thought they were moving apart. That was proved untrue. Mm-hmm. Then she's like, okay, galaxies are on a plane. And then she's like, they're also clumping together. And now she's like, okay, they're moving. Let's observe them in their spin. Okay. So we're not only spinning around the sun. Also, our galaxy is also spinning. The whole galaxy. Because our solar system right. is in the Milky Way. Yes. Which so is- like,
1: Milky Way's moving. The planets are moving. And every- everything is spinning, too.
0: Right. So it's Rotating like- and revolving.
1: Rotating, revolving, spinning. And all of it. Several. Several things. Several things all at once. Well, and also everything. (laughs) Christian school education. (laughs) Uh, You know, I would imagine, too, that, like, the different things that the planets are made of determine how fast they're spinning. Oh, yeah. And that's why, you know, like, that's also affecting it and why, I guess, they're, it seems like they might be moving apart, but it's just, like. I have it in my head.
0: Yeah. There's solids <laughs> and gases, and there's a lot going on. They're different weights, you know. Some things are like... going in different directions, even.
1: Right. Yeah. I can picture it.
0: Yeah, it's happening.
1: It's so funny that we're doing this, too, because I just cried at an episode of This Is Love all about the Mars rover. <laughs> of course you did. Because it was like an all-female team, basically, yeah. You know, or at least there's only females being interviewed, and they were like in charge of the Mars rovers, and they were talking about them like as if they were their children.
0: Oh, well, they spent <laughs> like literally all their life on yeah. them, <laughs> and it was just like so
1: sweet. Mm-hmm. They were like, and then he just didn't wake up. It's <laughs> like no. no. Anyways, that's really. There's a lot of space that I'm getting. It at is this week you. Thing. You're really
0: into it. <laughs> During uh, her first uh, time working. She applied to observe at the Palomar, I think, observatory, Palomar, knowing that the building did not have facilities for women. So she went in and drew her own little stick figure on the <laughs> bathroom door and became the first female astronomer to be allowed to observe <gasps> at that That's observatory. Cool. All right. All right. So now Kent Ford made this thing called a spectrograph, and Vera began her work. Related to the galaxy clusters. Now this mechanism allowed for images. To intensify the surrounding. Spectra of light. So it takes. The image into the what you're seeing in the telescope, uh-huh. and it hits like a thing that fractures the light out separate, so like uh-huh. red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple, okay. so that you can examine what's happening in outer space more closely, right? Based Mr. on Mr. Biv, yeah, based based on color with the Biv. Yeah. <laughs> I left out indigo. Please forgive me, Roy G. Biv. <laughs> Mr. Roy G. Biv is here. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> so. The the Rubin Ford effect, which is what they name it, is discovered. Using these tools, they saw the universe was expanding on the scale of 100 million light years. They are looking at galaxies and their proximity to Earth, and they published this in 1976. Again, it is dismissed, but the expansion scale of the universe was um, just not like relatable or understandable to people with the tools of the time, and it was ultimately shown to be valid. So the whole universe is expanding right
1: which is what we found out from the other girl yeah yeah I have got. I forgot her name yeah because um, this
0: one they they saw this theory and they were just like nope not yeah. the case and then she tried
1: to do her theory and they're like no the universe is shrinking and it's mm-hmm. going to implode on itself and she was like no it's always like mm-hmm. what the fuck was, I can picture her in my head because um, she had similar <sighs> glasses to Vera
0: yeah uh, I don't know I can't remember all the girls' names right anymore. Now. We're at like five hundred at this point. It's so
1: many. Um, but yeah, but that was her whole thing, was she was right. like, and it like gave people more positive outlook, mm-hmm. which was on really the world. Nice. It was nice. Yeah. So
0: Vera has now come up with three to four controversial scientific concepts that she researched and wrote and published, and she is ready to stay away from science that 's controversial she 's tired of proving all these things and then having people go that 's not true
1: beatrice Hilton beatrice
0: one. yes thank you b thank you b thank you b vera's on your team on this <laughs> one um So she starts to study the rotation of galaxies. She's Mm -hmm. like, that can't be controversial. We know galaxies spin. Everything out there is spinning. So she took a look at um, Andromeda, which I think is one of the close ones to us. Yeah, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. It could just be like a character in Harry Potter, though. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She observed that the outermost galactic material was revolving at the same speed as the center galactic material. And then she further discovered that there was a discrepancy in the angular motion of these galaxies because there's, like, visible light, but there's also observed motion. She was like, okay, why are the galaxies rotating so quickly? Because the outside should be rotating more slowly. Like, if you think about a record player, how, like, if you put on a 45, you have to spin it faster than if you put on a big one uh-huh. because the outside spins more slowly. Yeah. Um, she was like, okay, I think... There's got to be something there. There's this large amount of unseen mass. Uh-huh. And she is the person who found what we now know as dark matter. <gasps> which is why our drink is called the other matter. Okay. In other words, there is much more mass than there is visible to us. And dark matter is that. It does not absorb light or interact with light or emit light, but it's there. There's matter that's there in between, you know, these like arcing galaxy things and it looks kind of like a spiral or a fidget spinner. There's stuff in between that.
1: Right, because if you look at the Milky Way, there's arms. Yeah. So there's she's talking about the the in between in between the arms. Yeah, and there's it's stuff not there. Nothing. Yeah.
0: It's something. Dark matter. Yes. Dark matter is there. It doesn't emit light or interplay with light, but it's there and that's why it's spinning at the same speed
1: as the middle. So this is interesting. So we're doing the record again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to this record, baby. So this would be like so. People
1: thought that it was shaped more like maybe like a like a like yeah. a boomerang. Yeah, like, like a boomerang with a whole bunch of things. Uh-huh. You know, like, all right, say it's a frisbee. <laughs> <laughs> yup, say it. It's a frisbee. It's a frisbee, and we thought that it was like a cut-up frisbee, mm-hmm. but it's a full frisbee. Full frisbee. But we just can't It'd be see like it if those parts were like clear yeah but it's still there uh-huh you, can't see it you just can't clear. see it it's translucent it's still there. transparent i'm trying to make sense of this in my donkey brain i'm glad like I'm because like, i'm trying to like walk myself somebody
0: has to explain this to the people listening because i am sure i'm not doing I, it
1: <laughs> i'm like i'm trying so hard i don't know why day. i have to think in terms of jello and frisbees
0: but and records and record. Record
1: records help. They, I don't know they help a lot. Because they
0: spin. Well, and also
1: there's like an extra arm on top of it. So there's yeah. something else on the record that's moving. That's moving too. Like there's yeah. a lot of moving parts.
0: Right. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> her calculations actually show that galaxies may contain at least five to ten times more dark matter than ordinary matter. Okay. So over subsequent decades, Vera's results are confirmed and became the first persuasive results in the theory of dark matter. Another area of interest for her was the phenomenon of counter rotation. As we said earlier, some things are going in different directions. She discovered that some gas and stars move in the opposite direction to the rotation of the rest of the galaxies. And that changed the prevailing theory that all material in the galaxy is moving in the same direction. Okay. Like, because if you think about it, like the, the theory of the Big Bang, like if there was an explosion, like everything should be going the right. same way. But because things are different sizes, different shapes, gas, solid, etc. Things are spinning in different ways okay, and in different directions. So in 1991, her research was presented in a PBS special called The Astronomers – her perspective on the history of the work on and the work on the galaxy is also presented in a review called 100 Years of Rotating Galaxies in the Year 2000. This was an adaptation of a lecture that she gave in 1996 that got her in a gold medal from the Royal Astronomical Society, and she is only the second woman to be granted that after Caroline Herschel.
1: Very cool.
0: Yeah, In. 2002, she Discover, oh, in 2002, Discover Magazine recognized Vera as one of the 50 most important women in science, and she continued her research and mentorship until her death at the age of 88 in 2016, so just recently. But our information about Vera doesn't stop there. During her life, she was elected to the National Academy of Science, only the second woman to do that, She never won a Nobel Prize, which many scientists to this day say is a huge oversight. She paved the way for women in the field as a guide light or guidepost, especially those who were married with children. Mm -hmm. A lot of people Mm -hmm. felt like they had to give up their lives or their chances at a relationship Mm -hmm. uh, in order to do this. The Carnegie Institute called her a national treasure and created (laughs) a postdoctoral research fund in her honor. The American Astronomical Society named the Vera Rubin Early Career Prize in her honor. She was featured in an animated segment of the 13th episode of Cosmos Space Odyssey. There is an area on Mars named after her. There is an asteroid named after her. There is a satellite named after her. She is one of the women we are putting on the American quarters in the last round in 2025. Um, There was a large... um, survey telescope renamed after her making her the first woman ever to have an observatory named after her in the world there is a uh the Ver the verubin nebula appears in the show star trek so they named (laughs) a little nebula after her she did um die on christmas day in Uh 2016 and upon her death Teen Vogue put out a really cool article because her and Carrie Fisher died really close to each other um, and it was it was neat how they were relating like real life women in science as yeah. compared to Princess Leia in yeah. science and how it inspired so many people to get up and get involved and find the women who've existed in this field for a really long time. Yeah. It's very hard to understate to overstate the importance of Vera's work to our modern understanding of the cosmos. She quite literally discovered 85% of the mass in the universe. <laughs> like that's, so that's what she did. Like with yeah. like dark matter, we thought it was nothing. Yeah. And there is something there. And she discovered that, like I said, many things she should have been awarded the Nobel prize. Um, but, Of the Nobel Prizes, the last one awarded to a woman in physics was over 55 years ago. And it's only ever been given to two women in the 122 years that there have been Nobel Prizes. Vera changed our understanding of the universe and inspired many to be educated in science, especially women, for whom she made the path a little easier. During her life and her time as a professor, she was a strong advocate for young women. And one of her greatest disappointments was how slow the advances, like we said earlier, were for women in science. So she set out to make things better. She ensured that women had plenty of opportunities, and especially women who weren't backed or encouraged. Even still today, fewer than 10% of tenured faculty are women. She wrote letters to ask editors to provide women more opportunities and publish more women-centric papers. She supported astronomers that were just starting out in their career. She would ask them to collaborate with her and insisted that their names also be published on her articles as co-authors. She attended their talks at universities. She included them in social gatherings that included people that were much higher up than them, and she would ask them questions about their research in front of all these big people she was a massive advocate for women in science in 1950 the washington post i want to end on this in 1950 the washington post published an article about vera's very first public presentation which she attended with a three-week-old child it said a young mother in her early 20s startled the American Astronomical Society today with a daring report. So daring, in fact, that most astronomers think her theories are not yet possible. The astronomers were not complimentary. They politely and persistently questioned her figures because they are not sure there are enough observations to substantiate them. She replied, it's worthwhile to try. That? And that is Vera's story. She startled them. Yeah. <laughs> she startled, she startled them. them with her baby and her theories.
1: <laughs> God, that is so cool. I also like that there are some things that like, you know, like there's like that first thing that she thought that wasn't, you know, she got it wrong. Yeah, she got it wrong. Yeah, that happens. in like, science. That happens. Like, and it's so annoying that like male scientists can fuck up literally all the time mm-hmm. and it feels like it doesn't matter (laughs) you know it's like women are just held to such a higher standard for sure you know so that's very interesting i loved that story thank you dr misty
0: what a great suggestion i don't
1: know if your eyes are just bleeding from ears from listening to us talk about science oh she'll tell us on
0: patreon (laughs) she she made a comment recently on our patreon about how she's been trying to catch up over winter break and she gave us a whole lot like some really cool fun things oh perfect yeah (laughs) she gave us a um a show that i think you would like a show or a book i'm gonna look it up it's on patreon okay
1: i'll Um, give it to you okay perfect oh and i did also want to send up. we got another message from kareen and Corinne gave us a really great tip on how to stock up on candy canes, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank which I you. really appreciate because, yeah, I didn't buy one box this year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we really needed it. I also got a great message on my personal Instagram after I posted my Goodreads about how I could... Um, like transfer my information i'm gonna have to look it up i'll tell okay. you afterwards but yeah how i could transfer oh my god i got <laughs> so many cool messages wait is this my personal no that's my problem we got one from marine about uh the appalachian trail Ooh, that was great i think grandma gatewood like she gave us her friend is on the appalachian trail right now and mm. she sent one the over shoes
1: grandma gatewood
0: shoes yeah isn't that awesome I love that. and then let me see my personal account i got a really great one but all my friends are always on here so i might have to look it up
1: oh and avery brace sent us something about rainbow bright
0: <laughs> of course <laughs> of course we're getting so many good things
1: i just love it and then megan kate also sent us a history hustle video about <laughs> Some woman who bit off this guy's nose when he tried to kiss her without consent. <laughs> I just love everything that you guys send us. Right. It's so good. And if you want to hang out with even more people who think like you and want to enjoy this podcast altogether, you can join our Patreon. You can. You
0: can. And I do. I do want to say I can't find it right now, but somebody sent me on my personal. They saw my Goodreads thing and yeah. they taught me how to transfer it into a cooler Goodreads thing. Uh. This so is the thing. if that was you, send me a message again and I'll say your name next week. I'm so yeah. sorry. I remember getting it and I was so excited. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, just thank you guys. Um, so we just want to take a break in the middle.
0: Go get another drink
1: to, while we get another drink. So you can maybe, while we're on a break, rate and review us. Rate and review us you and dicks. join our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be right back with some rock and roll. Uh. <laughs> Another fun lady. Another fun cocktail. Very different from yours. Yes. Yeah, so uh, different. This is like the exact opposite, uh, I would say. Yes. So this is not the other matter. This is all sorts of matter. Is, but. <laughs> this is the, the matter that we could see to yes, start with. Yes. <laughs> you could see this cocktail from space. <laughs> um, so <laughs> first and foremost, we have to thank Charles Vincent, resident artist, of the podcast. And boy listener. Yes. <laughs> For requesting Polly. Uh, I'm really excited about this story because I've never heard of her before. Um, so first, do you want to know what you're drinking?
0: I do want
1: to know. So this is called neon cliche, and it is vodka melon liqueur, pineapple juice, topped with lemon lime soda, and then you pour grenadine down the bottom. Wonderful.
0: <laughs> New Cheers. cups this week, too. I could smell it coming up. Yum, so sweet! It's oh so my sweet. God. I will say, I love that both of our cocktails are based on a color palette. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very fun, very fun, and from two super long-time amazing listeners. Yes, Mm-hmm. Mm. it's also funny because I wanted Sprite, but
1: they didn't have any um, at the front of Target, mm. so I got Starry. I don't know if that's
0: also like sweeter than normal Sprite. So Starry. Do you want to know about Starry? Yeah, let me tell you all about it. Oh, so okay. Here's I, didn't... I know because we had a whole conversation about this. So, Sierra Mist disappeared mm-hmm. from the Pepsi line, oh. and they made Starry because the Sierra Mist wasn't being very successful, wasn't as successful as Sprite. Okay. So they made Starry, which has like a heavy lemon taste on the front and lime taste on the back. Okay. So when you drink <laughs> it, you literally get the lemon lime. I'm dead serious. We looked it up because I was like, where did Sari come from? When did it start existing? Why doesn't Sierra Mist exist anymore? So the family of four, my fam of four, sat at Panera Bread on our cell phones and researched this until we figured it out. There you go. And now you know all All about Sari. Wow, glad I
1: used it. (laughs) Wouldn't have known.
0: Next time you taste it. Yeah. Do the first taste, late taste. So I know it. you
1: know about Starry, but what do you know about Polly
0: Nothing. <laughs> you told me she's a punk rocker, and I am not punk at yeah. <laughs> all. I wish I was cool mm-hmm. enough to be punk. Yeah. Wish, but I am not. So tell me about Polly. Perfect.
1: So I got most most of this information from wikipedia the i don't know her podcast which is always such a great source oh great and that then purple a, one right uh, no no it's the yellow one with hedy lamar right as the, logo. the purple
0: one is stuff you missed in her story yeah, maybe? stuff you missed in history class. yeah
1: yeah mm-hmm. um and then a trash theory video on youtube <laughs> all right Polly Styrene was born Marianne Joan Elliott Saeed in 1957. Okay. Her father was a Somalian dock worker, and her mother was a Scottish-Irish legal secretary. Um, Her father left when she was young, so she was raised uh, by her mother in Bromley, Kent, and then Brixton, London. But growing up as a mixed-race kid in the UK in the 70s was not easy. And Polly recalls feeling very isolated because neither side really wanted her. I mean, we've heard this so many times before. She felt too black for the white kids, too white for the black kids. Just, it's so hard. Um, And she found some release in the theater scene, but ultimately she just never felt like she belonged. She thought the playground politics were just too tough. Uh, And then to make matters worse, her home life was also not great. She had been physically and sexually abused at some point. We don't know too many details about it, but Polly was getting the itch to change her situation. So when she was 15 years old, she became a vegetarian hippie and (laughs) ran away from home with three pounds in her pocket.
0: A real Lisa Simpson. Uh
1: She hitchhiked from one music festival to another, staying at hippie crash pads and just, like, thinking of it as, like, a challenge just to survive. Like, it's a very... 15 to 16 year old mindset. Yeah. Like. How fun. Like I'm going to be young forever. (laughs) That sounds. That sounds terrible to me. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to do that at all. Um, But the challenge ended after just a year when she stepped on a rusty nail barefoot. Also why I. I'm not a big fan of being barefoot. And she had to return home to get treatment because she got sepsis. That almost killed her.
0: Okay. So not tetanus. No, sepsis. Wow. Are there sepsis shots or does the tetanus shot handle that? I don't know. Me (laughs) neither. Me
1: neither. So after all
0: of this, she felt
1: a bit more focused and she decided that she wanted to pursue a career in pop music and fashion. She started making her own clothes and jewelry. Um, the clothes she made were mainly like thrifted clothes that she had kind of cut up and sewn back together in various ways. And she would sell all this at uh, like street fairs and whatever, like across the UK. Then she recorded her first demo album in 1975 when she was 18 years old. Her manager enlisted Ted Bunting to produce the record. And in 1976, she released her first single under her real name, Mary elliott titled silly billy and it was a reggae track <laughs> um the song didn't really go anywhere but it did show people around her that she had some talent then things really got going when she was at hastings pier one night and saw a young punk band that was just getting started she said it was me and three swedish girls watching the sex pistols <laughs> oh my
0: god that's a band i've heard of yes
1: <laughs> the, that one you definitely know she was like yeah there were four people there and the sex pistols were like just going crazy like, they're, <laughs> like she was like it was as if they're in madison square garden like-
0: Well, that's how you get big. You got to believe in yourself. And she was
1: totally transformed by this band. Um, Even though at this point, they weren't even playing their original songs. They were just playing cover songs to, again, mostly empty audiences. But their attitude and their style and just like the feeling they had was exactly what she was looking for. So she took an ad out in in like a music newspaper that said she was looking for, quote, young punks who want to stick it together to form a band. (laughs) So, Paul Dean, Jack Stafford, a.k.a. Jack Airport, and Big Paul Dean joined up with Polly. And then they had one more brilliant addition to the band, Laura Logic, on the saxophone. Now, not many punk bands had a saxophone in them, so this really set the band apart. And they were called the X-Ray Specs. Polly got the band name from an old novelty ad for x-ray glasses in the back of a comic, you know, book. <laughs> right. And she decided that she also needed her own, you know, punk persona. So she was looking in the yellow pages and she found the name Polystyrene. She said it fit because she wanted a name that sounded like plastic, a lightweight disposable product because that's what pop stars are meant to be. Plastic and disposable but in a weird way, they're going to just last forever.
0: <laughs> Artists are so quirky. Like, what a funny way to pick your name. I know. And it's somebody else's name. Yeah. It's just in the yellow pages. Yeah. It just, like, works. Like, I don't know. It's so interesting. And when you say it, like, yes, it does sound like plastic, but yeah. I never would have thought that in my head.
1: No, I, I was like, okay, her name was Polly, and her last name is Styrene. Polly Styrene, <laughs> yeah. Um, so even though her name, you know, you could read it as kind of a, bleak meaning (laughs) disposable um Polly did bring a bright fun element to the punk music scene while everyone else was wearing black and leather and safety pin and chains she was designing her own outfits with bright neon colors interesting hats fun pieces she'd wear these cute little shift dresses with like fishnets and leather boots and an army helmet she was just interesting band member Paul Dean later said that the general theme of the punk scene was Destroy, I'm bored, no fun. And she said, Well, we're, we are fun and we're not bored at all. We have a ton of creative ideas. <laughs> she said, We aren't destroy, we're positive. Yeah. <laughs> like it was just so the opposite of like, I like everyone in the punk scene was like jaded and like, Yeah, I don't care. And she's like, I care a lot actually. Like yeah.
0: I think I definitely relate to that idea of like Uh the weird punk I don't care Uh as early punk Uh, and then there's like this fairy punk like pixie punk that is also very fun like yes I wear pink and bright colors and I'm cute but I'm also punk rock like I slay as well I would say
1: pixie punk is a very good way to describe her that's how she is Um, and on March 11th, 1977 the X-Ray Specs played their first big gig at the Roxy they came out with a bang with their first song oh bondage up yours mm-hmm. <laughs> most people thought that it was a kinky s&m song yep so but... sounds like that <laughs> as usual with polly there's a much deeper meaning um she said that it was actually about the uk being touted as the land of the free when it was built from people in bondage and now we were all in bondage in a material world and it's interesting because the song starts off with her saying. Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard, but I think, oh, bondage up yours! <laughs> Good. I just did like a slight lilt. I, I liked don't want it to be. I don't know. Yeah, I got nervous about it. <laughs> that so... was great. <laughs> I loved it. And this is another thing that set the X-Ray Specs apart. Polly wrote most of the songs, and they were inspired by thoughts she had in her personal diary. Holly was an avid journaler from the time she was young. So a lot of the things that she's saying about were very personal. Like she thought a lot about what it meant to be a young mixed girl in a country built on slavery. Mm -hmm. And I feel like punk was a really good way for her to like transfer all these like really big feelings she had. But a risky take is that people were like, Oh, she's just into S and M and bondage. And Mm -hmm. she's like, no, like
0: listen to it. (laughs)
1: And Polly was a good singer. This, in a funny way, was rare for punk bands. She definitely yelled and screamed with the best of them, but she was doing more than that. People loved her voice. And the fact that, like, you know, like the saxophone, there was something special and, like, a melody that you could follow in punk, which was usually, like, so chaotic. And, yeah. Like,
0: chaotic is the exact description yeah. for punk.
1: <laughs> Um, Polly also designed and made all of the promotional material for the band, including their merch, posters, and even their album covers, like the sleeves. Like she was designing everything. She just had such a vision for it. She was so creative. Their first three shows at The Roxy were so successful that they were offered a residency gig at the Moon Pub on King's Road. This gave them consistent work and a consistent live performance schedule so they could really hone their skills and figure out what an x-ray specs live show should be
0: which is so hard when you're a band like that if you don't have like a residency spot at a local pub or like a local gig or like we used to in in baltimore county had record and tape Uh um no the record theater Uh which was like great for like small bands that had regular shows you don't learn or get better or grow Mm -hmm. or grow an audience because the only people who come to see you are like your family and Uh whoever else happens to be at the bar Yeah, exactly. So
1: this was just like such a great opportunity for them. And they also, because they were already kind of in, they would find other punk bands that they thought were cool and be like, oh, like, why don't you put put them as like the opening for, for us or mm. whatever? Like, they were very into like raising other people up with them. Um, <laughs> I love this. Other up and coming punk bands like Adam and the Ants. <laughs> I didn't know who they were, um, so I don't know if you know Charles. I don't know. Um, Charles might. <laughs> Charles might. Um, and then, yeah, there were just like a, a, some other bands that like I didn't really know the names of, but mm-hmm. they helped out. I like Adam
0: and the Ants. That sounds good <laughs> it's to a me. Name.
1: This residency also caught the attention of Richard Branson from Virgin Records, who recorded a one-off seven-inch record. Speaking of records. I was gonna so say I I,
0: Richard Branson, I know that yeah, name. Yeah, <laughs> he's a famous name.
1: Um, And this meant, so because it's a seven inch, only two songs were on it. So it was a bit of a hit clip situation. Um, It was Oh Bondage and their other hit song, I Am A (laughs) Cliché. The record didn't get much radio time because the BBC apparently had a no punk policy.
0: Whoa, Uh calm down.
1: (laughs) The records were selling out of music shops and the X-ray specs were getting noticed by the punk scene here and across the pond. And soon they got invited to play CBGBs in New York, where they came across someone I do know, Debbie Harry. There
0: we go. That That is cool.
1: So they come back to the UK feeling very victorious because, like, they were friends with Debbie Harry, (laughs) like some other big people in the New York punk scene. And Polly's, like, cheerful demeanor and fun fashion sense were making... Her also just, like, separately, extremely popular. So the band was popular, and people loved Polly. They thought she was so cool. And um, I don't know. She, she was just, like, different and new in the punk scene, and people loved it.
0: Well, the way you describe her, I love people who can mix and match hard clothing and soft clothing yes, because a it takes skill. It takes a lot of skill to do it well. And when you see somebody doing it well, you're like, shit, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah.
1: Now, of course there were some other people who felt like she didn't belong. <laughs> and even though punk is supposed to be about, you know, embracing your weird self and sticking it to the man and, you know, saying like, Oh, bondage up yours. Like, I don't have to play by your rules. Um, Punk has a lot of rules. <laughs> it is one of the most exclusive groups. Ironically.
0: Well, I mean, they literally hate anyone that's not themselves. <laughs> so yeah. It's, it's hard to like because her song I am a cliche is exactly it like punk people don't want you to be cliche punk they want you to be actual punk yeah but then like if you're not just exactly like I
1: feel like I can talk about this because like I was running around with some like punk people back in my day you know and like if you weren't dressed like them, like you really stood out and like people didn't really want to talk to you.
0: But if you dress just like them, then you're copying. Yes, exactly. It's very difficult. (laughs) It's very difficult.
1: (laughs) Um, so I don't know. So I think like Polly was always kind of like irritated at that. And like Mm -hmm. people didn't like, they're like, like, well, she's a 19 year old black girl. Like, what does she know about like punk music? (laughs) It's like, Think this 19 year old white kid knows anything? Right. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. She's getting a lot of new attention, some of it good, some of it bad. And she was soon being photographed and put into magazines and tabloids, which meant more touring and more fame. She was being praised for being a feminist icon and then being asked constantly about her image like mm. all female stars, Exactly. <laughs> um, and one of the things she was most asked about were her teeth she famously had braces like we talked about and people would ask her all the time if her teeth were fake which made her feel really uncomfortable and when they pushed her on it she would really like shut down in interviews because she's like that's not what I'm here to talk about I'm Mm -hmm. not here to talk about my fucking braces yeah can you imagine being 19 and having
0: braces and having people like constantly asking you about it like way to pick on my flaws thanks
1: she was just like feeling really
0: insecure insecure
1: And invaded, you know, by the press. And then she was being physically invaded while performing. At one show, she had a fan grab her face and force a kiss on her. And then another fan did it too. And her bandmates, like, had to get involved, pulling her away from them. I mean, Polly was getting really tired of touring constantly. And the fans being very involved. Because... One of the things about a lot of punk shows is that you're a lot closer. It's not like you're seeing, you know, the Rolling Stones, you know. <laughs> and they're, like, up on this big stage far away from you. It's super it's like, intimate. It's very intimate, and there's a lot of, you know, pits and moshing, and, you know, it's, there's a lot of touching, and Polly's like, that doesn't give you the, you know, permission to grab me from on stage when I'm doing my job. Right. And kiss me. Like, so anyways. She feels like her personal boundaries are being trampled on. And again, she's tired. They are on the road all the time, staying in hotels, doing gigs. And like, of course, it all feels very magical at first. And then it kind of sets in. And you're like, whoa <laughs>
0: Well, this is the rock music is, thing. Yeah. You know, like anytime when you get a measure of success, mm-hmm. but you're not blow up famous yet. Yeah, it is nose to the grindstone 24 7 yeah promoting yourself mm-hmm. traveling mm-hmm. playing selling like well, it's not like she's like famous enough like you right know, like she Taylor can't just chill that
1: she's not like flying in private jets and then like staying in a very nice comfortable hotel no. it's like they're bumming it like <laughs> yeah
0: they're in motels they're in shitty vans around the country like yeah. that is so hard it's exhausting
1: And then to make matters worse, she was having some serious issues with her mental health. She had experienced for a long time severe depression, violent mood swings, and she started hallucinating things like pink spacecrafts. Oh, no. Then in a move that many female celebrities would also make for years to come, Polly just like shaved her head one night.
0: Mm -hmm. People,
1: her friends and family were like really starting to get worried about her. So she was originally diagnosed with schizophrenia in 1978, but years later in 1991, she found it was actually bipolar disorder. But back in 1978, a schizophrenia diagnosis was a dangerous thing to have on your record. And doctors told her that she was never going to be able to work again. She had just turned 21.
0: Yeah. Because schizophrenia hits you later in life. Yes, it yeah.
1: does. Yep. <laughs> we have been talking As we about found recently. Out. We found that out. Um, not anyone we know personally. No. But. The first time she saw herself on top of the Pops music TV program, she was sitting in a mental health facility after her most recent breakdown. So like she's seeing her fame unfold and she's like, "Well, here I am."
0: Yeah. Can't even enjoy I can't it. imagine. I can't imagine.
1: <laughs> um but she was like, "I don't think I'm done working. Like I'm still going to do this." So, you know, she Got back with the X-Ray Specs and they released more music and their audience was growing. Um, their song Germ-Free Adolescence reached 19 on the hits chart. That was their best performance, which like for a small time punk band, like that's pretty good. Like a 19 on the hit charts. Yeah. Uh,
0: I, any punk band yeah. with a saxophone to that, make it.
1: They're like literally not allowed to be played on the radio. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, People are awesome. like just getting them from word of mouth and exactly. seeing them on stage. Um, but
1: her declining mental health meant that she really wasn't able to enjoy the band's success. And in 1979, she decided to leave the band and pursue a solo career. Um, she was like, I don't really want to do punk anymore. I want to do my own thing with my own sound. She wanted to experiment and her band didn't, which I totally understand because they're like, we're a punk band. We don't want to play like eighties techno like that's not our thing, it's not our thing. Um so they were like, yeah, we don't feel comfortable playing that. So they broke up the band. So she left in 1980 and then released her uh or no, she left and then in 1980 she released her own album, her solo album Translucence. This album was softer and had a quieter, more jazzy sound filled with synth dreamy things. <laughs> um some people loved it. But people who went to her solo album expecting X-Ray Specs were really angry and they didn't like that she had, you know, sold out to make punk, you know, pop music or whatever. Uh, you know, it's the same thing over and over the again. The punkest
0: thing is to do exactly what you want. Yeah, exactly. Is it not? Yep. Um,
1: so, yeah, I think that was kind of disappointing but Polly also had some other big things going on right now she had a whirlwind romance with a musician named Adrian Bell and they had a daughter together named Celeste the couple didn't stay together for very long and Celeste grew up without really knowing her father and unfortunately for Celeste she grew up with a fairly unstable mother Polly suffered from frequent nervous breakdowns and they were still operating under the idea that she had schizophrenia so the treatment they were trying wasn't really working So she ended up just kind of throwing everything up and joining the Hare Krishna movement. Oh. (laughs) And she moved into a temple. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) And, you know, I think all the breakdowns and then the Hare Krishna thing. And it's like she was like it was like a roller coaster. So Celeste, her daughter, when she was eight years old, requested to live with her grandmother instead of Polly. Yeah. Like. Celeste at eight years old knew that like she was like, This is a bad situation. Like, I gotta get out. And
0: her grandmother had like already raised a child by herself. I know. That's so so she- I know.
1: This meant that Polly and Celeste's relationship was very strained. And Celeste really didn't know much about her mother. I mean, she was born after the X-ray specs had broken up, so she had no idea about her mother's influence on the punk scene until she was a teenager. So it was kind of a shock for Celeste to like you know learn that her mother was like this huge punk icon she's like what the fuck mm-hmm. like, and she's like hearing her mother's words and like what she thought as a teenager and like it was just like really cool for Celeste um, and it kind of helped her rekindle that bond with her mother when she was a little bit older cause you know she wasn't a vulnerable child like she was able to like have a better relationship with her
0: I saw uh like a quote the other day that was like most children what most children don't understand is that while they're growing up their parents are growing up too yeah and Mm -hmm. it's like that's really hard to remember that most people have kids in at least at this time in their 20s -hmm. and then now in their early 30s and you have a lot of growing left to do yeah Mm -hmm.
1: and it's hard when you're growing up in the public eye yeah (laughs) trying to raise a child and suffering from bipolar disorder that is undiagnosed
0: yeah and you you can't just unload that on your eight-year-old so that when your eight-year-old is 15 20 they can learn what you were actually going through that does rekindle a good relationship yeah so throughout the 90s Polly
1: continued to work on her solo music career and then the x-ray specs got back together briefly in 1995 She spent the 2000s playing gigs here and there, writing music with her daughter, which was very cool, and attending all sorts of celebrations of punk music. And in October 2010, she announced the release of another solo album, Generation Indigo. In February 2011, however, just a few months later, Polly announced that she had been diagnosed with breast cancer and it had already spread to her spine and lungs.
0: No. So it is like late stages. Yes. Shit.
1: her last album released one month later in March, and then one month after that on april twenty fifth two thousand eleven polystyrene died at the age of fifty three in an effort to get to know her mother better and solidify her place in music history, Celeste set out to make a documentary about her mother and with the help of some crowdfunding, polystyrene I am a cliche premiered in february of twenty twenty one 10 years since her mother's fatal diagnosis. Celeste said of the project, this film would be a celebration of the life and work of my mother, an artist who deserves to be recognized as one of the greatest front women of all time, a little girl with a big voice whose words are more relevant than ever. Celeste also co-authored a biography of her her mother called "Dayglow: The Polystyrene Story, and in 2023, Rolling Stone ranked Polly. At number 195 on its list of the 200 greatest singers of all time. Although we don't immediately think of polystyrene when we think of punk, her influence cannot be ignored. Many female punk icons, including Kathleen Hanna of the Riot Grrrl movement, cite her as an inspiration. So I think we can say with certainty that she was certainly not a cliché. <laughs> And that's the story of polystyrene.
0: That was so fun, and what a roller coaster I of know. events that just took place <laughs> in my life.
1: That was crazy. Well, it felt like so many things happened when she was nineteen. Yeah,
0: she had a really big year <laughs> a that big year. year. Really big nineteenth year. She really <laughs> rounded out her teens well. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, that's her story. I love her a lot, and I'm I'm really excited to compare her because I think these two women are so different but so radically the same. Yes, so let's talk about them together in a little segment we like to call.
1: Just the two of us. Okay. So, obviously, they do have some things similar, but they came from such different families.
0: <laughs> they did. They came from very different families, but both of them had at least, like, one immigrant parent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, one moving parent, and I think that we didn't get a lot on vera being jewish but i'm sure that was hard at that time Mm -hmm. but her biggest hurdle to get over was the fact that she was a woman Mm -hmm. whereas polly's was the fact that she was biracial yeah she was biracial she had you know
1: undiagnosed mental health issues she was still a woman in the punk scene which was you know still not super normal like she was like one of the only female front you know for a punk band you know what is it called yeah, front, front person. person. Front woman. Yeah. yeah. Um, Of a band, you know. So, like, I feel like Vera was definitely up against, like, some major hurdles. And then Polly was up against even more. Yeah, <laughs> like, I agree. In, in, in a really small, like, scene. Which I think that's also an interest. It's like, these two people are, like, very famous in their fields. But mm-hmm. their fields are so small. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That it means that they're not quite known in the greater Wider world. Yeah. But like, they are very
0: famous in their scenes. Mm -hmm. I liked that both of them really knew what they were into at a young age. They were very committed. Like, Vera's like, I need my dad to make me a cardboard telescope because this has to happen immediately. Mm -hmm. Whereas Polly is like, I'm going to leave. I'm Mm going to be a hippie vegetarian. I'm going to get into fashion. Mm -hmm. Like, she knew that she was quirky and Mm -hmm. leaned in.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I also think that they were going to do what they wanted to do regardless. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, Vera had all the education, even though people tried to tell her not to do it. And, like, Polly didn't have, like, a solid education. Like, she dropped out of school when she was 15. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of people, like, there was a rumor going around that she was, like, secretly a professionally trained opera singer. Mm-hmm. That is not true. right? <laughs> she had no official training. And I think that that's... An important part because like I think even if Vera had not been accepted into a school like she would have found a way like both of these women were so tenacious that mm-hmm. like I think they would have persisted and found a way to do what they wanted to do.
0: They were both also towards the end of their life struggling with health people didn't understand. Yeah. Like I didn't mm-hmm. say it during the story but um what Vera died wa- of was dementia oh, at 88. God. So, so you know them thinking she's schizophrenic and then it actually being bipolar and then dealing with cancer and mm-hmm. dealing with dementia. These things are larger medical things that we're still struggling with as a society. Mm-hmm. And they both their lives both ended in the, that way.
1: Yeah. I also I think motherhood is an interesting aspect in very the, their stories. very interesting. Because Vera, I mean she did all of this while being a mother of two very young children, uh-huh. which is so impressive and difficult. And it's like she's kind of the one of the poster women for, like, you can have it all. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can
0: work and have kids and, and not win a Nobel
1: and, Prize. <laughs> and Polly is kind of the opposite, where it is like, you cannot, like, function right now. And it sucks because, like, I know she wanted to. And, mm-hmm. like, there are things that are – That were out of her control that made it difficult. And I'm glad that Celeste could find peace with that Mm -hmm. later in life. But, like, I hate that it had to happen, you know, to her as a child. Yeah. And I hate that, like, Polly was also kind of because of her mental health issues, which, you know, are not her fault, like, you know, that she couldn't get the help that she actually needed to be the mother that she wanted to be. Exactly. You know? Yeah. it's such a complicated thing. And then I think, like, if you, if I were Polly and I was looking at Vera, and I'd be like, God damn it. Like, how is she doing this? <laughs> like, yeah. I can't even make it work with one kid. Like, it, you can feel so jealous, but, like, it's so important to remind everyone that, like, motherhood looks different on everyone.
0: And all the uh, circumstantial things yeah. change the way motherhood is. Yeah. Um, I... Find it fascinating. You were mentioning something that was happening to Polly in 1996, and I had Mm -hmm. like 1990s in my story. Mm -hmm. Just the idea that punk rock and astronomy exist on this planet at the same like intervals, it just makes me so happy to be human. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. that people can express their passions in such different exploratory ways. Like they're both so radically different. Yeah. And both very cool. And it takes math and and science and creativity and sales and like mm-hmm. all these things like writing both of them are authors like that's yeah. really at mm-hmm. the crux of it we have somebody writing music and we have somebody writing papers
1: well and I think too that like Polly is very outwardly creative we mm-hmm. can see it mm-hmm. but is also creative mm-hmm. you have to be creative to think in the way that she is yeah you know like kind of like how we were kind of working through some of those scientific things. And I'm trying to visualize it. Yeah. I'm thinking of. Frisbees and records and Jell-O, you mm-hmm. know, it's like you have to have a creative brain to like, even think that like, huh, I wonder if the galaxies are moving like this instead of like this. Yeah, <laughs> like, And I think that like people like that are like, we wouldn't say like Vera Rubin is very creative. <laughs> we would say she is a scientist and she follows strict rules of science. Right. <laughs> like,
0: well, with these girls think about like with Vera, She Mm -hmm. looked at something and Mm -hmm. was like, there's nothing there. But what if like there was there was (laughs) and then (laughs) Polly is in this other realm where she's like, yeah, all the punk people are sad and jaded. But like, what if they weren't? If They weren't. Yeah. (laughs) You know,
1: and they're just like bringing something new into a field that is seen as like traditionally very rigid, you know, Mm -hmm. like. The punk scene is actually a very rigid scene. Yeah, science is supposed to be very rigid. And there are rules, and you pay, and like you follow those rules, and that's it. But like people like Beatrice Hiltonsley and you know Vera Rubin are out there going like, "No, I think that there. I think that maybe we have some more exploring to do." <laughs> and like those, are the people you need pushing the envelope.
0: Do you know what's crazy uh-huh. about punk and astronomy? Uh-huh. The chaos is crafted. <sighs> yes, it is like by masterful like yeah. it is crafted in a very specific way
1: yeah you're so right about that that's so interesting <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all right. well i love this the science of punk
0: <laughs> <laughs> here we are talking about it
1: <laughs> all right who would you like to toast this evening
0: i want to toast to all the nobel prizes that were never won oh uh,
1: yes cheers. there's a lot of them <laughs> cheers I am going to toast the girls who are setting trends but also aren't afraid to blow up the whole trend that they set and try out something new. <laughs> Good! Set those
0: trends. All Ooh. right.
1: Now, what are you enjoying in pop culture this week?
0: I'm doing an anti-promo tonight. Okay. I'm not going to name the specific book because I don't believe in that. But okay. here's what I'm going to say. I read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. I read them on paper. I listen to them, Mm -hmm. mostly in the fantasy genre, a lot Mm -hmm. in the romance genre. Please, authors, stop ending entire books on cliffhangers. (laughs) I think that that it's not a story then.
1: Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm sorry. Even if it's a trilogy, I don't care. You have to wrap up some storylines. Yeah. You can leave some to dangle for the next book. Right,
1: obviously, but...
0: But I have started. If you leave your entire first book on a cliffhanger, I do not buy your second book. Interesting. I am, it is infuriating to me. Like, I do, you are not drawing me in to buy more. You're making me think you don't know how to craft a story. Ah,
1: Like, you're going to figure it out next
0: book. Yeah. Like, (laughs) chapters are cliffhangers, not entire books. Okay. Strong opinion. I I love this. Very angry about it. (laughs) Very, the last book I read last year was a cliffhanger. And it took me until the 11th of January to pick up a new book. Really? I was so pissed. (gasps) And I read like two books a week. Yeah. I was just like, this is frustrating. Yeah. You didn't answer one question from the whole story. Yeah. So. All right. That's what I have to say. You can let me, everybody else, if I'm wrong in the literary sphere, please tell me. But that's how I'm feeling right now.
1: Speaking of a book series that does not do that for sure. I'm going to promote the Good Girl's Guide to Murder by Holly Jackson <laughs> because that is a book series where like each one ends and then you didn't even know that you still like obviously like there are some things that are kind of left, but like each book wraps up. Yes. You know, it tells a whole story. It tells a whole right. It tells a whole story. This series was so good. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember if I already pr- promoted it. I don't think I did because I think I was waiting to finish it. I might have a long time ago. Who yeah. knows? So, but yeah, it was so good and so fun, and also like you're right, like the last one is scary, but it's not undoable. Like yeah, don't let that stop you from reading it. It's yeah. so good. Um, yeah, the and
0: thing. it's about a podcast. The second one, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. I love books that have podcasts in them. Yep. I'm like, I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> I can relate to that well
1: thank you all for listening we hope to see you next week and as we said in the middle you can rate and review us on apple Podcasts. that would be delightful you can send us messages you can join us on patreon and connect with other fans that are also fun and lovely and wonderful but mostly we want you to never forget that well-behaved women don't
0: ever shave their heads no
1: when they rarely make history (laughs) Goodbye. goodbye